welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist and life coach with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hello, Anita. Hi, Terry. As we reach the midway point in this year's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, we want to bring yet another unique perspective to the discussion. Last week, we learned from Wally about what it's like to live with thoughts of suicide on a regular or even daily basis and the critical difference between suicidal ideation and suicidal plans. If you missed it, look for episode 218. Today, we bring you the story and incredibly unique experiences of a person who's had what he describes as very, very courageous conversations with hundreds of people who were literally one single step away from ending their lives. He shares what he learned talking with them, listening to them on their darkest days, and how his own depression increased his empathy for others who are struggling. Here now is Kevin giving his voice to depression. Kevin is an Army veteran, a man who grew up proud of doing so-called manly things. I was the motor sergeant for the highway patrol in the Marin area. I worked at San Quentin. I jumped out of planes in the Army. These macho jobs where you don't show a weakness. So it may not be surprising to hear one of the things Kevin thought was a weakness. I always thought mental illness was a crock. Many, 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 many years ago. It's a weakness. It doesn't happen to people. You know, get up and get to work, get going. And Kevin could always get up and get going. That wasn't the problem. I could go to work and function at 100% and be great. It was a different story after work. But when I went home... I did nothing. I could sit on a couch for days, and I didn't want to go see my boys. I didn't want to walk the dog, wash clothes, go to the grocery store. I didn't want to do anything. And it was very, very, very strange. And I didn't put this together for a long time. Suffered for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought this was kind of normal for whatever. Maybe I'm just burnt out. I did not have an open mind when I started. I was a typical type A cop. Whatever we saw as a traffic cop, death, whatever else, you suck it up, you come back to work, you do it again. All this is going to take a toll. It eventually took enough of a toll on Kevin that he decided to go see his doctor. You know, just to check. He had me take this test out in California. I don't know if it's nationwide, but it's called the PHQ-9, Personal Health Questionnaire 9. Nine questions about how you're feeling, um, are you sad, and and these other ones uh, about depression and things. And I failed it pretty good. Kevin was diagnosed with depression and PTSD, real medical diagnoses, for real medical conditions. So the depression that occurred with me took a toll, took a heavy, heavy toll until I realized that, you know what, man, this this is real. 
this mental illness, this is real. Uh, let's work on it. Mm-hmm. And it may take a long time to get things to where you can get to somewhat back to normal or hopefully even better. But there is help and there is hope. Help and hope. Kevin, whose full name is Sergeant Kevin Briggs, has given so much of both to so many people, he has a media nickname. <laughs> they say the Guardian of the Golden Gate, which I don't really like. Yes. Because I think there's many guardians of many Golden Gates around the world. Kevin is a retired California patrol officer, and he's widely credited with encouraging more than 200 people contemplating suicide from the Golden Gate Bridge to come back over the literal rails and give life another try. Following Kevin's cue, we did not say that he has saved them. And I don't use that word saved. I always say that. We, we didn't rush into a burning building and pull them all out. We helped them in a very bad day. We got the chance to talk one-on-one with Kevin Briggs when we were both at a mental health conference in Washington, D.C. I appreciate the work you have done, the work you're continuing to do. Thank you. You know, I think it's really important, and I think the more people, uh, you know, we can convince that they're not alone, that there's nothing, there's something wrong with them in the way that they have an illness, but that they're not broken or less than or flawed. Right. Those are important messages. You know, I used to say it's like a cancer. We need the medication to help. But really... It's it's more of like diabetes. Mm-hmm. It can be lifelong. And if we don't handle it, whether that's through therapy, drugs, whatever else, it can get worse. So don't be ashamed about it. If you are suffering, um, there is help out there. There is help. Sometimes it takes a while to get things right. Especially meds, it seems. Yes. And therapists. They're both hard. And if you go to a therapist mm-hmm. and you don't particularly connect, develop rapport with that individual... See someone else. Therapists should tell you, too. You know, for some reason that we're not clicking, I will tell you, and you tell me, and there's no harm, there's nothing. So go into it with that, too. Find the right person. And when you find someone that clicks, it's really neat. I think they're great. I've just started to go to one again, and I'm looking forward to it. But a, a good friend or an understanding soul can also be a very good place to turn when you just need to talk and be heard. Yes. You get that right individual. Boy, they can make a, you know, just to be able to open up to someone. Many times that's what folks, even over the rail on the bridge, they just wanted somebody to listen to them. If somebody would listen, they wouldn't have got up to that level. Why can't we do it down here at this level before someone gets up to that part? And what do you think is the primary reason that people get to that point? Um, financial, personal relationships are, are really, really big. And then there's folks who suffer from mental illness who either feel that they have not been heard or diagnosed properly or the medication is is too much for them. The side effects they can't handle and they haven't been back to their doctor to see what can we do different or they don't have access to help. Mm-hmm. And, and if they feel they don't have access to help, then what's the use? And another key point about medication... Not everybody needs medication, but if you do, don't stop your medication. That's a big one. One of the one of the things I found with folks on the bridge was if they were taking a medication for mental illness, almost every single person had stopped it a month prior. And that's huge. Do not stop the medication without doctor's advice. In the movies, when a hero saves someone, you see them grab the person and pull them off the bridge. Kevin doesn't do that. 
And I think there's a lot of dignity in doing that on your own, coming coming back over. I tell folks it's like looking into someone's or like a baby's eyes. They're brand new. They're kind of they're kind of scared, but they're awake. They're happy to be here. Um, the pressure's off them. Everything that that put them to the point to why they went over is still there. They'll have to work on that, but they're here and they have that opportunity again. So I think it starts them on a very new path. And in an effort to determine what does and does not help the person over the rails, Kevin asks, What did help? Most of the time, it was just listening. Just being there. because it, And I tell folks, even though I went through the FBI school, CIT training and some other schools and things, it doesn't matter. Because if you don't have the empathy, you can have all the doctorate degrees you want. You're not going to be any good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can come up on that bridge or wherever else. And if you have empathy and you care about people, I think you'll do well. It's tough talking to someone in these situations. These are very, very courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have them, we're going to lose a lot more people. And what didn't help? A number of things. People would tell me that sometimes I would talk fast. You get nervous up sure. there sometimes. And and what I found, some people would say, well, you talk so fast. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. it. So... I try to put myself in their situation right. and we think, wow, they have so many things going on in their head. This is life and death that if somebody's talking to me, it would really be helpful if they'd slow down so I could take in word for word. So And the calming effect of that as yes, well, right? Yes. Yes. I naturally talk fast. I would force myself to talk slower, mm-hmm. not to dumb it down because yeah. these are not dumb people. But mm-hmm. that's very, very tough circumstance to yeah. be in. You know, that's a grave situation. Yeah. So take some time with it. Mm-hmm. I'm in no rush. I don't want them to be in any rush. I want them to come over when they're comfortable, and and we hope for the best. What does that do to you? So at the end of a day when you've talked to someone, you said, you know, one lasted eight hours. What mm-hmm. are you like after that? Are you just completely I'm run tired. out? Or are you invigorated? I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> you get invigorated when someone comes back. Mm-hmm. And, and the couple that I did lose... The losses, they stay with you forever. And you see them and they're there. If they start overtaking you and causing you your your life not to function as you would, then we got to seek some help. And what does the guy who has helped other people choose life, uh, what do you do to take care of Kevin? Um, I have a little chihuahua. Mm-hmm. That her name's Bella, and I just love her to death. My first small dog ever. Hated small dogs, kind of like Middle. Hated small <laughs> dogs growing up, but I have one because I travel a lot now. <laughs> but here, there's my two boys who are 14 and 16, and they're very good with their sports. Um, going to their games and watching them. Mm-hmm. I don't go to professional sports, so I don't get involved in that anymore. Um, but to go and watch my boys play is, is is really really cool. So anytime I'm home and they have a game, I'm, I'm there. And you're willing to take meds if you prescribe them? I'm taking two different medications at this point right now for this. And, you know, there are side effects, and some of them suck, but I'm still here. I'm happy to be here. I want to be here. And I know, you know, if if it gets bad that I can talk to folks or I can go to my doctor and say, hey, um, I have a very good psychiatrist that actually will sit down and listen to me and take the time and say, okay, well, let's try this. Or she'll ask me, how do you feel about that? which is really neat. So there's some good people out there. And without doubt, Kevin Briggs is one of them. 
Terry, I'm just I'm just so struck by what a good human being Kevin is and with what he's doing and his story really highlighted for me how much we still need to help educate people about what depression is and to ask for help before they think they need it. Um, that you just don't keep sucking it up when you're dealing with ongoing trauma or you're you're barely functioning. You're getting through the day like he was, but then nothing. He couldn't do anything else. And and you know, not waiting until everything is coming down, you know, crashing crashing down around before you ask for help. Yes. So I was really yes. I was really struck by that. Before I ask for help or offer it, because I always think of that Desmond Tutu quote about people being pulled out of the river who had fallen in, and there's great effort to get the people out of the river, but we need to go upstream yes. and find out why they're falling in in the first place, right, as right. opposed to trying to save them once they have. And I think that that was a point that Kevin made, because it's like, let's listen to each other, let's check in with each other, let's be honest about how we're feeling, and if we're not functioning the way that we need to or want to, all those things need to happen upstream because we can't just respond in a crisis. We don't want to be in one, and we don't want people we care about to be in one or even strangers to be in it. No, making it safer to have those those really tough conversations mm-hmm. so that you don't have to do it as somebody's like right contemplating ending their life. Mm-hmm. I think it's important too, Terry, to remind people that most people with depression do not attempt suicide. They may even not have suicidal ideation, but the depression can still you know, take quite a toll. Um, but untreated depression can increase the chances of that. And so, again, it's, it's why we want to encourage people to, to get help. Don't wait and, and assist, assist someone else if, if you can tell that they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And again, the 800 number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline just changed in the U.S. to 988 and you can call that and talk to a trained counselor anytime, 24-7, that you just need to decompress or, you know, you don't have to, again, be in crisis. And you get to define when you need to talk to somebody. There isn't some hurdle or some, you know, test that you have to pass to be bad enough to call. And I've had people I've interviewed Good say, point. yeah, they'll say, well, I, didn't, I don't want to keep the line busy. I wasn't actually suicidal. And it's like, hey, if you need help, you need help. You know, so the idea, again, is to, to get ahead of it a little bit. Absolutely. That human connection is sometimes all, all you need to get through that really difficult, really difficult moment. Which doesn't last forever, and it's important to know because you think it's going to. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. We will continue with episodes focusing on suicide prevention and suicide awareness as this month goes on. And we hope that you'll be back next Tuesday to listen. Sounds great, Terry. Thanks, Anita. You bet. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen 